0: This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, or, or the, Orr, or the Orr. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup.
1: Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. Yeah. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice.
0: Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue.
2: Yeah. It's
1: a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh. hey, Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now.
0: I'm up
1: It's the Skate Pod on WEI. Welcome into episode 106 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian Felice, joined by Bridget Pru. and For the first time in about a month, Scott McLaughlin is back from long-term injured reserve. Scott, how are you? Back from Back from Europe. I'm
0: good, I made it. I survived back in the United States. Uh, got got my Premier League uh, soccer fix out of the way, satisfied that craving, now it's time for hockey.
2: And by the way, now he has to answer my text messages because um, he was MIA from this group chat <laughs> during during his trip. I annoyed the crap out of Scott. I was like every every other hour is just like, hey Scott, Scott.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, I felt bad because I was like, I can't, like, I can't help. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even have my computer. I'm like wandering around a museum or like drinking at some pub and like, sorry, Bridget, I can't, I, 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 can't, edit, I can't edit your headline or story. Please or help.
2: <laughs> please, please post my story, Scott, from whatever bar you're in, in, in Ireland or Scotland or whatever. But no, I even followed Scott on Instagram so I could see if, what he was dodging me with. I was like, where is he? <laughs> Why is he answering me?
1: Well, he didn't answer. Yeah, because it's three a.m. where he is, and you're t- you're texting him at like <laughs> nine. But yeah, um, we're glad to have Scott back. It's you know, this, well, you know,
0: the the great thing about that though, when you're in another country, is that then you can respond in your morning over there, and it's like three a.m. So, yeah. so you can you can just reverse
1: it and annoy people that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's only last time I checked. You know, there's only one Scott McLaughlin. So, I mean, we're glad to have him back. And, you know, I kind of say that in jest because there's probably a ton of Scott McLaughlins out there. But there's only one that we care about. He probably
2: met a few other Scott McLaughlins on his vacation.
1: (laughs) I didn't. I probably would have been Ireland.
0: So it's weird. Like in Scotland, because there are McLaughlins in Scotland. And I was like looking, you know, like you go into the gift shops and they have like the, you know, the thing, like whether it's shot glasses or pins or whatever, like with names on them. Like none of them had McLaughlin. They had like every other Scottish-sounding or even Irish-sounding last name. Is there's a lot of overlap between Scotland and Ireland in general. Um, but no, no McLaughlins. Didn't see it, so maybe it's not all that common over there.
1: Yep. Well, we'll talk about the uh, you know the the Scottish surnames you know at a later date. I think for now though, we'll keep it to to the Bruins. Perhaps I think that's probably why most are tuning in and. You know there was some um, the, there was some interesting commentary uh, this last week, both online regarding um, you know David Pashnak and where he where his mindset may be regarding an extension with the Bruins and uh, new head coach Jim Montgomery spoke on on Wei during the Jimmy Fun Marathon um, or radio radiothon, whatever you want to call it, but it was um, radio telethon. Ra- there, there you go, there you go, radio telethon. Um, and he made some comments about, you know, how he projects the Bruins to start the season personnel wise. And there's a lot to get into. So I'll, I'll leave it with you guys where you want to start off. And maybe Bridget, you have someone you want to start or Scott, but it's up to you guys.
0: Uh, let's start with Montgomery on on Gresham Keefe, because that was, that was a little bit of a newsmaking interview. And I thought it was a that was a good discussion. Um, but Montgomery basically revealed, at least as of now, what he's thinking for his top two lines. Uh, you know, with Marshando out to start the year and said he he really likes the idea of putting Krejci and Passenach together based on, you know, how they just played at the World Championships and the chemistry that they have. He also really likes the idea of Taylor Hall being on that line. Obviously, uh, Hall and Krejci played together two years ago and did well. Hall and Passenach were together last year and did well. So you combine all three of those and, you know, everything would suggest that that should be a really dynamic, exciting line. Um, And then he said that plans on keeping DeBrusque with Bergeron and obviously, you know, when Martian comes back, that would be the same line that the Bruins finished last season with as their top line. Um, But while Martian's out, it sounds like he's gonna give Pavel Zaka a shot there, Um, which, you know, I think is kind of what most of us expected. The, the only question to me was whether there would be an effort to maybe like balance those lines a little more because if we're being like, I think on any depth chart, like official depth chart that the Bruins put out, whatever line Bergeron's on is always gonna get listed first. But in reality, like uh, in this scenario, Hall, Kriji Krijipassanak is your top line. Like that, you know, to me, that's like a better line than Zaka, Bergeron, DeBrusk. not that that really matters like i don't think anyone really cares about that um but i was wondering like if maybe they would bump hall up with bergeron and DeBrusk and then do the all check line of zaka krejci pasta knock you know might have been cool but that doesn't easy enough switch to make if you feel you need to do that at some point anyways um but i think it's pretty clear that like he he really likes the idea of hall krejci pasta and if you know, if you're planning to put them together at some point, then you might as well just start the year with that. And maybe they just run with it and stay together all year. Like that would be ideal. It would be ideal for Montgomery. It'd be ideal for those three players, all of whom.
2: Well, they can't do that the whole year because Marshawn's going to be back. But
0: (laughs) No, they they can because then you'd have Marshawn, Bergeron, Duprost.
2: Oh, I thought you were saying uh, with Zaka, First, to DeBrusque, and then no, um, no, no, H- just Hall, just Creechie, the second Postanuck. line, yes. No, no, that would be ideal. And obviously, we haven't even made it to preseason, so there's still plenty of time for for Coach Montgomery to get a look at it and for things to change. But I think that the Hall Krejci Pasternak line is like on paper makes the most sense. Um And theoretically, having your wingers be Hall and Pasternak like as fast as they are with Krejci who really is good at you know starting things off the rush and getting the puck to those guys uh that's going to be a dangerous line you've got guys on either side that can score um you know that that can finish that they're just they're stars they've been stars in the league and with Hall next to Krejci he kind of started his re-emergence when he came over to the Bruins so uh that was always a good combination and without Krejci uh Hall I wouldn't say he didn't have a bad year, but he definitely looked more comfortable when he started out next to Krejci. So Poshanak looks comfortable next to Krejci. Hall looks comfortable next to Krejci. I see no reason why you don't stick with that line for a little bit. And I do hope that the leash is a little bit longer with that first line that we were discussing, the or the Bergeron line, if you just want to call it that, with Zaka, Bergeron, and Debresque, just so that if you keep that leash long, say maybe the chemistry isn't perfect right away, just give it a little bit of extra time to develop, so that you don't have to mix up that Hall Krejci Pasternak like Pasternak getting too soon.
1: Yeah, I think I think um, I think that's the line. I think Hall Hall Krejci Pasternak is the line. I don't really see the benefit of putting um, Hall with Bergeron simply because that's Marchand's spot on Bergeron's left side is for Marchand. So you know. That's why Zaka's is better off there early, at least early on to see. I mean, somebody else could play that role as well, maybe, but he's more of a placeholder. Whereas when 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 the postseason comes around, hopefully, you know, the Bruins are going to really want that that Krejci, Pasternak, and Hall line to be to be there at the end. So you might as well get them going early and and, and get them used to each other. You know, to put Hall there to start, I think is just you know, delaying the inevitable of him going back with creation passion. So you want them to try to, you know, learn, learn each other's, you know, um, strengths and weaknesses as a line. They haven't really been on a full line together. They've played with each other, obviously um, separately, but, so I think that's the play. Uh, Zaka, I think could benefit from, especially in a new system, um, playing alongside Bergeron. I think he's going to help him, you know, um, learn the ropes of how the Bruins do things. And, you know, they say Zaka is a responsible two-way player, Um but obviously playing with Bergeron will enhance that for him. And I just think it's, I think it makes the most sense. Um, I know, I know Montgomery made comments about Lysel and we'll get into those uh, in this podcast as well. So maybe that's an option too. I, I'd be surprised if that, if that happened out of camp, but I think Zaka is the, I think he makes the most sense um, right now to, to play with Bergeron in DeBrusque. And we've said it already 20 times so far, Hall, Hall Krejci, and Pashnak, so that's, the lines that Montgomery, um, is going to start with, with the injuries is I think what we've already mentioned on private, uh, previous podcasts, that that's what we would have done as well. So it makes the most sense.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, as far as like other options, if it wasn't Saka getting that shot to move up, like I'll get, we'll get to Lysel in a minute, but short of Lysel, like it would be Craig Smith, but then that means moving to over to the left and if your long-term plan is to have him as the right wing with Bergeron and Marchand again, then ideally you just put him on the right side, keep him there, just let him be, like you want him to just get comfortable there and basically adopt the mindset of your right wing now. Like that, that's your position. That's where you finished last year. That's the plan for you this year. And then you're not flipping him back and forth, which has, you know, maybe shouldn't cause issues, but has seemingly caused some issues with DeBrusque in the past um, when he's had to move back and forth. So just keep him on the right side. Like that that makes a lot of sense. Um, Bridget, do you have anything else to add before we get to Lysel?
2: Yeah, actually I do because, um, Brian, you mentioned that you heard um, Montgomery's comments about Zaka and why it would be make the most sense to start him next to Bergeron and he said um you know it's about introducing Zaka to the Bruins way and what better better way to do that than to put him next to you know one of the Bruins best players and and someone who's such a good two-way player like Patrice Bergeron so Zaka makes sense it makes sense for the team because then then you don't have to you know Take away this star-studded second line that we've been talking about. You don't have to move to to a different wing. So in those, for those two reasons, it makes sense to put Zaka there on the left next to Bergeron. But also makes perfect sense for Pavel Zaka and what the Bruins are trying to do because he's here on a one-year contract. They're trying to figure out what his ceiling could be, what his potential is. And you want to kind of get a look at him when he's showcased next to guys that are, you know, maybe going to bring out some of his skills that he wasn't able to show as much in New Jersey. So it makes sense for a lot of reasons to start Zaka next to Bergeron, and then just just keep the rest of that line as is. And then really you only need to figure out you know where to put Zaka after that, but you just slot Marshawn back in and it's kind of just like an easy one-for-one one switch back onto the top line. It makes perfect sense to me um, for just a lot of reasons keeping Zaka there.
1: Mm-hmm. yep I agree with that and you know showcasing him in a or giving giving him the opportunity to to succeed um next to somebody like Bergeron in a, in a, in a one-year show me show me deal is uh yeah that's a good point as well Bridget so hopefully Zaka can can take advantage of that um now obviously the reason why Zaka isn't going to have that opportunity is because of the injury early on to Marshand and you know somebody else at Montgomery spoke of having um, more of an opportunity because of that is Fabian Lysel. So I think now we can kind of jump into that. Um, I, maybe one of you guys can maybe have his quotes in front of you. Uh, I don't want to paraphrase too much. So I'll just, I do. I,
2: I have them up here. Cause I was tweeting it, um, when he was talking. So, so yeah, actually I, I think that he was talking about Lysel before he was talking about Zaka, just in terms of the way that Gresham keep asked the questions. Um, But basically everybody's kind of been interested in what's going to happen with Fabian Lysel uh, just because people want to see him, uh, you know, get a chance in the NHL for, you know, even if it's not an extended period of time. So he was asked by our our show, Gresham Keefe. And um, one of the things he said was um, if he has a great camp, uh, then, you know, he, well, he said this about Marshawn too. He said, that's the great thing about the injury to Marshy is it opens a door and he, he, meaning Fabian Lysel, has to knock through that door when the opportunity comes, earn your way to the NHL. Um, and let me find the other, the other quote as well. He said, "If Marshy, oh gosh, I told you guys my computer's being weird." <laughs> he said, "If Marsh, if Marshy's here, he probably doesn't get the opportunity. And if he's going to play in the NHL, he needs to be in the top six and get an opportunity to play with one of our elite centers." Meaning. Patrice Bergeron and that they, they basically are, are Montgomery's kind of saying like if we bring him in to play it would have to be in the top six and where else would they put him besides Marshawn? on spot basically
0: well it's, I mean he he would be on the right so like this is a scenario where I think DeBrus would have to get bumped back over to yeah. the left because they're not going to put Lysel on his off wing um but yeah I mean the the common ability playing in the top six makes sense though like I I Lysell's game, all around game right now just isn't in a place where you're going to put him on the third or fourth line and like ask him to play a more defensive role. Like it just wouldn't make, wouldn't make any sense. That wouldn't be good for the Bruins. It wouldn't be good for his development. Like if you're at, at that point, you would just put him on the top line in Providence and let him develop there, like, which may very well be what happens no matter what. Like I personally, like, I, I think it's too much to expect Lysell to, really force his way into the NHL lineup for, for opening night. I, I don't think that happens. Obviously it'd be, you know, a really pleasant surprise if he does. Um, but you know, he, he just had, he had a good world genius for Sweden. Uh, certainly I think, you know, so I missed the start tournament obviously while I was gone, but I had a couple of his games recorded, including the U S game. And he definitely looked like Sweden's most dangerous offensive forward. Um, you can tell there's still things like he's gonna have to work on though, like a lot of his, the way he rushes and like takes defenders on one on one, and can kind of get away with that against kid kids his own age or get away with that in the WHL. You're like, okay, how's that gonna go? You know, the first couple of times he, that NHL defenseman knocks him on his ass when he tries that, um, you know, th- there'll be adjustments for him to make, obviously. So, you know, and then and then like other stuff, just like uh like so he he has he creates a lot of chances but you don't see you like or at least I didn't in like the games I watched like a ton of cycle work or you know it's a lot off the rush and we know that NHL defenses try to force you more into a cycle game. So that's another thing like you know I think we're gonna have to see how he does and that he's gonna have to work on and whether that, you know, whether he's good enough in those areas that he can work on in, in the NHL and, and break through and get a chance right away. Or, you know, he has to go down to Providence for that. It's there, there's, there's no rush. There shouldn't be. I think the Bruins don't necessarily need him, you know, to be the one to fill in with Marchando. Like, I think they do have enough other forwards that you can cobble together a, a solid enough forward lineup so you're not putting those expectations on him you you don't need it from him it's more just like a bonus like you know like montgomery said if, if he has a great camp and he forces our hand then sure like we'll give him we'll give him that opportunity but they're not they're not banking on it which which is a good approach to take because you just don't want to put you know throw that kind of like heavy ask on on a 19 year old kid
2: It almost feels to me like the just how many times Montgomery um, kept saying the word opportunity, opportunity, opportunity is kind of just like they're phrasing it this way and and they're, you know, picture picture framing it this way because they want Lysel to go in thinking like, you know, I got to really work my ass up because I might actually have a chance and just kind of get a little bit more out of him, see if that can create, um, you know, a driving factor for him to really... Um, step his game up and then maybe also create a little bit of competition over that spot um, just to try to bring the level of competition up a little bit from other players. Maybe Zaka would be one of them.
1: So, you know, during last season, I was keeping a lot of close tabs on Lysal and uh, over in, uh, in Vancouver and he seemed to be the guy. He, everything ran through him in Vancouver and he, you know, he, he excelled in in that opportunity. Um, watching him in world juniors, I, I thought he had a good world juniors, didn't think he had a great world juniors. Um, and one thing I noticed was that, and look, it's a short tournament, so I'm not putting too much into it. And it was also in the middle of the summer, which is an off, off time for a tournament like of that, of that caliber. But I didn't see Sweden's, Sweden's coaching staff treating him like he was the guy on that team. Um he was getting power play minutes, he was getting extra attacker minutes, but he wasn't always out there in the final the full final minute. He wasn't out there on every there were 5 on 3s he wasn't out there on and it just it, it all it did was just it it made me raise a few eyebrows. I was like, "Well, maybe I don't know. I didn't really know what to make of it. If I guess I was expecting him to be the guy." And 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 on that swedish team and and they they seem to have maybe they had a bunch of guys but i don't know maybe maybe he still has some some um some blemishes in his game uh when it comes to you know i mean he goes to the net i've seen him but maybe i don't know he might just need to incorporate more of a man's pro style game um as opposed to being light on the skates and kind of being that rush player like scott was talking about i don't know um, again, it was a short tournament, and it, I didn't watch every minute of Sweden's uh, games, but because it was so, the games were so late. But I will say this, like to what Scott said, I don't think the Bruins out of the gate without Marshan and McAvoy uh, in particular. I don't think offense is going to be the biggest challenge for them. Not with the addition of Krejci, and and they have enough there. So unless he goes to camp and it's just lights out, and it's like man, you, this is a can't miss type of player, I personally, I think he would benefit from learning how to be more of a pro in Providence for a month or two. I I, I think the time will present itself at some point this season where maybe he is on the Boston Bruins, but I do think it's a big jump when, you're, when your game is not fourth line grinder and your game is skill and speed, you gotta learn how to incorporate that skill and speed into an environment where the guys are much bigger and stronger and faster. Um, and I think that I don't think Providence would hurt him for a couple of months. I'm not saying for the whole season, but I think he needs to learn what it takes to be a pro in North America on North American-sized rinks um, against against grown men. And some, in some cases, the AHL is actually tougher um, than the NHL when it comes to who's on the ice against you. Th- those guys hurt to hit, whereas the NHL, there is more skill. So um, I don't think it would be a bad thing either, I, I guess, to summarize i would say there's like scott said there's no rush with him but i would like to see him at some point this year but i don't think it has to be out of camp
2: here's the question that i have for you too then would you rather say that that zaka bergeron de breastline is the line that starts the season and it's clear the chemistry is off maybe zaka not a good fit on the line would you rather see them move hall onto the first line or give fabian Lyselle a chance in that spot especially because that's we don't know if there's going to be another top six opening later on down the line and the rest of the season. So would you rather see him come in then?
0: To me, it would, it would depend on it. Like to me, Lysel would make that decision for me because if he looks, if he looks close, if he looks ready, then sure. If I, if I need to switch up my lines for whatever reason, then yeah, maybe maybe he's wanted to get that opportunity. But if he doesn't look ready and it's it's clear that okay he needs some seasoning in the AHL, then I'm not I'm not forcing him into a spot on my NHL roster just because, you know, Zaka isn't clicking with Bergeron Debrask. Like I will I will switch those wings, whether you know, Holland Zaka or maybe Zaka's going down to the third line and Craig Smith is coming up in some capacity. Like I'll try other things if lifestyle doesn't look ready rather than force him in because other stuff isn't clicking.
2: You don't think you even just try him for like, say, just bring him up for a week while that opening is still there with, with in a top six spot.
0: Um, n- Not if he hasn't looked, not if he hasn't shown me that like he's ready for NHL action. I'm just, he's their number one prospect and I'm not, I'm not rushing anything with him. Like if he needs time in the HL, then, I'm giving him time in the HL and I have other guys that I can try to figure out how to make it work at the NHL level. Like, even if it's a, you know, maybe it's it's an Oscar Steen or a Mark McLaughlin, you know, someone a little further along in their development who gets bumped up, you know, those guys obviously aren't ideal fits in the top six, but both of them did get a couple games there last year. Like, so I, I would even try something like that rather than, you know, try to take shortcuts in the development of of my top prospect.
2: Brian?
1: Yeah, I mean I would I I pretty much agree with everything Scott said. I mean I think especially when you consider that, that the Bergeron line really is your second line, uh you know, can can Craig Smith and Debrusque and Bergeron be a be a serviceable second line? Yes, they can. Now obviously like you know, yeah, uh, we'd have to switch them. Another thing, too, that's important, but look, if, and I feel like this is probably the 15th time I've said so far, like Scott said, but like Scott said, if Scott, if, if, uh, if Fabian Lysel. Think of how often you didn't
0: have to say that when I I wasn't on you.
1: I've, I, I, trust me, I was biting my tongue not to say it when you were in Europe. It was like, Bridges is like, what the hell are you talking about, like Scott said, he's not even here. (laughs) Um... (laughs) What was I saying? What they saying? Oh yeah, <laughs> you would mostly yeah. agree with Scott. Yeah, so like Scott said, uh, <laughs> if if Fabian Lysell like is is just is he makes it impossible to not put him on the opening night roster or or give him that opportunity early on, then 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 he does that. Um, but I would, but I, I tend to, I tend to agree. I, I think I would put I would put um, Smith there if if if. Uh, zaka doesn't work out another thing too that's that's gonna have to be important though if if fabian lysell does look ready and and he's making it impossible to not put him on this team and apparently he's he won't play on a third line role from the coach's mouth so you know there's not a ton of room in the top six especially when when, when martian comes back uh so but in
2: that case zaka could be a third line player
1: no 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 well, he, no, no, he will zaka, anyway zaka, so,
2: that's what i'm saying to start like you zaka could, will be you, no, no. It's not going to be a huge deal if you don't start Zaka there.
1: No, it's no, not no. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I, so I'm not worried about Zaka. My, what I was going to say was DeBrusque. If, if at some point in time, DeBrusque, there, there are six players on your team that are more capable offensively than DeBrusque. I, I do feel like th- there's nothing wrong with being a 25 goal-scoring third-liner in NHL. That just says there's a lot of depth in your team. I'm not saying Dabrowski is a third-liner necessarily, but what I'm saying is if he he doesn't, you know, have the best offensive year under a a new player-friendly coach who's, you know, going to massage his shoulders all season and, you know, give him a pat on the ass and say, good shift, buddy, and he doesn't take advantage of Marchand's injury and the offensive numbers aren't there, he needs to come to grasp with okay. The only way I'm a top six player is if I'm playing on on the offside and there's you know injuries or fortunate situations. I'm on the top six. If DeBrusque ends up becoming a third line scoring winger because there's better players in front of him, he's gonna have to be a big boy and sit there and, and, and acknowledge that. And and that could be a possibility at some point. Like if Fabian Lysel does just take off and then Marchand comes back. That's all, I, you know. You guys didn't say anything to prompt me bringing up DeBrus, but I but I was just thinking about that a loud because there's, there's a lot of what ifs, and it's almost like a fixture that DeBrus has to be in the top six, and if if he's going to be the start, but if it ends up that he's not in the in the, you know, he should be a third liner, he can't pout like he did when Cassidy was here. That's I guess that's my point.
0: Yeah, and and you're right. Like what you have to get drilled into into him. And really into the entire third line is like hey guys like look at how important third lines have been in the playoffs like teams that have them make deep runs teams that don't don't and and like be like blake coleman was a top six player his whole career he was a third liner in tampa and was a huge reason that they won back-to-back cups uh you know like if you have a third line of Debrus, coil smith both of those wings have scored 20 plus goals on multiple occasions in the NHL. That should really be, that should be a really good third line, but you have to like convince them of, you know, embracing that mindset of like, we're going to go and be one of the best third lines in the NHL and be a real difference maker on this team. Instead of like you said, DeBrus goes down and gets pouty because he's not in the top six. It's, you know, like that, that shouldn't happen. And, and hopefully DeBrusco is in a better headspace. You know, obviously he rescinded his trade request. It, it seems like he is, um, but you know, we'll have to see. And, and, you know, we've barely even touched on, talked about Craig Smith, like that's another guy who needs to have, uh, a, a big bounce back season for this team. Like he can't, you know, when he struggles the way he did last year, the third line becomes a weakness. When he's on his game, like he was, you know, two years ago, and he played a lot in the, on the second line too, but he's a real asset. and He's a difference maker and he's been that most of his career. So, you know, they need him uh, to get back to doing that. So um, yeah, like on paper, the Bruins should have a pretty good third line this year, whether it's DeBrus going down at some point or even a Zach, a Coyle, Smith line like that. That should be a good third line. Um, but you need those guys to actually step up and do it and, and make sure it does become that.
2: Yeah. And they have, the Bruins have actually quite a decent amount of forward depth. And that's another thing Montgomery was talking about that it makes it easier for him to, you know, if need be, make those moves. And, and he has a roster that can be flexible, um, you know, knowing that you could move Hall up with Bergeron or put, you know, put Hall with Krejci, or put, um, Zaka at center or wing or, or on the third line or on the first line, he has a lot of flexibility where the options, like there there are options for him if the original plan, which we talked about, uh, doesn't, doesn't work out uh, right away as expected. So there is a lot of flexibility there. And another thing Gresham Keeve asked him about which was um, managing basically two different teams because you're going to have this team the first month of the year where you start out where are missing key guys like Marshawn uh, Grizzlik, McAvoy, and he's and they asked him, are you essentially going to have to figure out how to manage two separate teams? And he said, yes, it's going to be a challenge when um, the season starts. You are going to have to be making completely different, um, you know, lines and personnel changes as soon as everybody gets healthy. So, um, you know, he's kind of got a tough stretch to start the year, but um, once again, kind of Putting out that message that it's uh, they see it as adversity that if if they get over it and they you know they're able to know they're in a better position and also they're trying to look at the Marshawn thing as a positive that they can you know test a few different things out and then now they know going forward when everybody is healthy um, what things will look like.
1: Scott. Yeah,
0: and then they're there is the positive of of opportunities for different guys, obviously really even more opportunity on the back end with McAvoy and Grizzly go. Um, But, you know, to me, so it's like, yeah, early in the season will definitely be interesting. And like, there is a level of excitement of, all right, let's see some different guys get opportunities. You know, let's see how Jakub Zaborl does again. Like he's going to get, like he was starting to last year before his injury, he's going to get another long run of being in the lineup. As long as he's healthy, um, you know, Mike Riley, like people were wondering if he was going to get traded this off season. Let, let's see if he can earn his way into the lineup full time and stay there even after Grizzly and, and McAvoy are back. Uh, so there's a lot of that, but you know, from a like a results standpoint, it's like, you also have to, win enough to to at least hang around. Like, to me, that's, until McAvoy-Martian gets back, that's the goal. Like, just be around playoff position. You know, even if you're technically out of the top eight, but you're only a couple points out, like, you just don't want to fall too far back where now you get those guys back, and yes, you should easily be one of the top eight teams in the Eastern Conference, but you don't want to be playing too much catch-up. Like, you don't want to have to you know really have ground you need to close so even though it is going to be whatever you know four full months with all those guys like you still have a, you still have an older team so you don't want to have to really be playing a ton of catch up in the second half of the season so just tread water just you know be somewhere around eighth. and if you're anywhere higher than that then great like if if martian and mcavoy come back and they're second place in the division and you know third in the eastern conference like that's then we're probably gonna start talking about them like as a real contender if they're in that good of a, that good of shape um i don't expect that i think you know they'll probably hang around somewhere around like six to eight in the east until they get those guys back and that's good enough like that's a, that's all you need to do these first couple
1: months mm-hmm. and you know i've said before the the first the first you know month or two of the season every NHL team is implementing new players new systems new coaches they got the summer legs it's it's not it's not the sharpest product out there so you know even the best of teams um you know that there's opportunity for people to lose some games they, they probably wouldn't lose later in the year against some teams they wouldn't lose to so it's not like everybody's gonna be going full steve ahead and the Bruins just you know stuck behind like everybody's kind of getting their feet going early on so you know, I don't think I don't think the Atlantic Division is going to have you know six teams that are just like seven fifty or better by the time March and back of we get back. It's it's it, the Bruins should be able to. What's the phrase? Tread water. We all love to use. So um, now I do want to say, did, did you guys pick up on? So Montgomery said that he expects Grizzly to. Not miss as much time as, uh, as, as Martian and McAvoy, but in the same breath, he said something like they were only expected to miss the first month. And I don't know if that was him just spitballing. Did you guys catch that quote or am I just pulling stuff yeah, out of my ass?
2: Yeah, I, I did catch that. Uh, he was looking at like Grizzly's health optimistically. And yeah, originally, I believe McAvoy and Martian were both supposed to miss about a month. Um, and, McAvoy well, at one their point. Their
0: original timetable was two months because it was they both had six months recovery, which would be like the first two months of the regular season.
2: Well, I know that McAvoy right when him and Grizzly got their shoulder surgeries, they he put a picture up on his Instagram story of him and Grizzly with their slings on his couch. And it said, see you in November. So they, they were at that point in time, I think, told November was the month that both of them would be coming back. Now maybe yeah. McAvoy's late November and Grislick's early November. That's kind of what it sounds like.
0: Yeah, because I think it, maybe it was Gresh, Gresh or Keith that I mentioned, but I, I thought it was Montgomery. But someone also mentioned something about like you know probably around Thanksgiving, which sound like that lines up. That sounds right. Like you said, like if it's more late November, um, yeah, like get have those guys be close to returning around Thanksgiving time and. And yeah, Grizzly should be shorter. Grizzly should be, you know, his timeline all along was missing about the first month. So he should be back by by early November.
1: Yeah, and the Bruins' first game of the year is October 12th. So, you know, if if the, if, if McAvoy and Martian come back around Thanksgiving or a little bit afterwards, I mean, you're only talking like 35, 40 calendar days. How many games are you playing in that stretch? 15 17 It's not. It's not. It's really not that crazy of a time that they're missing. It's Probably really...
0: only eight if they get like a full week off twice a month, like they did last year.
1: Yeah. know <laughs> <But, laughs> So that,
0: luckily, they don't have that schedule this season. No. They actually, they actually play games pretty regularly once the season starts this year.
1: Yeah. So I mean, look, it's it's. It, there, there was a point in time where I was thinking they might not be back until closer to the Winter Classic. So it's really it's it could it might not be that bad um so we'll see what happens uh, as far as should we get to Pashnak sure okay so i'll throw it to scott cuz in scott i'll give you like 10 seconds to pull it up um because you're reading I've to got me earlier. It, you got so. it okay great Yeah, right, that's classic scott just always prepared um so i'll throw it to scott so basically the the uh the Pashnak contract extension has been or lack thereof, has been, you know, talked about numerous times this summer. And the, the the rhetoric has pretty much just been, well, we, you know, there's, we really hope he resigns because we can't see him going somewhere else. But it seems, but, but in the, we've always mentioned how at one point in time, the Bruins' lack of succession plan at center would come back to bite them in the ass. And now I'm going to throw it to Scott because it seems like Pashnak is is cognizant of this just like we are, and it could be a detriment.
0: Yeah, so this is from uh, a Twitter account called Andy and Rono. It's at ARHockeyStats on Twitter. Um, They are, so they're they're mostly data and analytics, you know, lots of numbers, Um, but they're based out of the Czech Republic and uh, based not just on this, but on other stuff, like. It seems like they're tied in especially to the czech hockey scene um so they tweeted this was on tuesday i'll just it's three tweets i'll just read them in full the boston bruins would like to re-sign david posenak this off season already but according to our source posenak is in no rush to sign an extension not so good news for boston it looks like he wants to know if the bruins still will have a chance to win the stanley cup in those next years when bergeron and Krejci retire he wants a Stanley Cup so bad, it's his goal. Don't get us wrong, he still prefers to stay in Boston. He loves the city, but nothing is short right now." So, you know, that's obviously not ideal because we know the Bruins want, you know, as much as I heard you guys like breaking down Sweeney's quote on the last episode or it might've been two episodes ago, um, about Sweeney saying like, it's not a big deal if they go into the season uh, without a new contract. And I'm in agreement with what you guys said, which is like, yeah. Okay. Sweeney can say that you don't want to, you know, project panic to the masters. Like I get it. But the reality is is you obviously want to have Passenach signed to an extension before the season starts. Um, and that still might happen. They might get together in training camp, sit down in person and, and be able to agree to something and, you know, have whatever conversations they need to have. Um, Another interesting part of Montgomery's interview with Gresham Keith this week was, I think it was Keith who asked him about, you know, did you have questions for the Bruins, like, during your interviews? And Montgomery was actually pretty open. So, like, yes, I did. Like, I wanted to know, you know, basically what the plan is for the next couple of years, what the plan is uh, when Bergeron and Krejci inevitably do retire for good. And Montgomery sounded like he basically said he was – he was convinced that the Bruins want to keep winning and want to have a contender and will take steps necessary to do that even after Bergeron and Creature are gone. Um,
2: kind of like reiterating what ownership had said the one time we talked to him, got to talk to them during Montgomery's opening press conference when he was introduced to the team, which was that there's never going to be, they, they never consider a rebuild an option for the Bruins.
0: Right. So maybe what whatever pitch was made to Montgomery can be made to Passenach, you know, you do it in person and maybe Passenach buys in. Maybe he doesn't. Um, but it, it, it is, it's obviously not ideal that like, because if those are real concerns for him, if he, you know, wants, if he has to be convinced that there is some sort of Plan and and that there is going to be cup contention even after Bergeron and Krejci are gone. There's really there's not any action that Don Sweeney can take right now to show that, like he's not going out and getting the number one center of the future right now. The the roster is set for this year, so that's that's not happening right now. That can't happen anytime before next summer, and at that point you're already going to have to know what you're doing with Pasternak. So. You know, it the only way Sweeney can possibly convince Pasanak is words, as promises. He can lay out a a blueprint, a plan. He can say, you know, what I think he can do is he can say, Look, we needed a top left shot defenseman. I went out and got Hampus Lindholm. Um, you know, he can say, We needed a top six winger two years ago, I went out and got Taylor Hall. Like he can make that case because he has actually done that. Like as much as we would like to rip Sweeney and specifically on the center position deserves it because right now that that succession plan is not in place, but he can also point to examples where he has addressed holes on the roster by going to get players. And he can try to convince Pasternak that look, if if we don't have someone from within You know, one of our prospects ready to fill that, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what I did in these cases, and I'm going to make trades to address me. And that like, that's all you can do to try to convince Passenach right now. Um, Whether it's enough, we just don't know right now. Yeah, and um,
2: Pasternak's going to be more skeptical than than Montgomery just for obvious reasons. That um, you know Montgomery's coming into a, a new team, and and Postenek has only known life with Bergeron and uh, mostly Krejci, obviously minus that one year. Um, that's his life has just been knowing this core and so he has doubts about what the future is going to look like but I will say it's very it's fair you know I he wants to go to a team that can win the Stanley Cup but picking a team that has cap space for you and that it's a crapshoot 31 teams don't win the Stanley Cup like one team wins you're gonna try to pick a team that you know has a window probably for you know say five years I don't know. it's kind of a crapshoot picking a team that you think is going to win the Stanley cup, especially saying like, you, I know when you're free agent you get to hand like where you go sometimes, but sometimes those teams that are contenders that you want to go to, maybe don't have room for you. Maybe they already have a player in your spot. Um, it's not as easy as you think, just go, okay, I want to go play for Colorado. Like it's not, it's not that easy. Um, and maybe kind of got to convince them of that as well. Like the Bruins are going to be a contender. We're gonna make sure we're a contender even when Bergeron and Krejci are gone. And you never know what's gonna happen to say, Toronto or Colorado or whomever that you think that um, you're gonna have a better chance with.
0: Right, and, and we see players get that wrong a lot. Like I, I think back to Jerome Ginla's final contract, you know, he decides he's gonna test free agency instead of staying in Boston. He signs with the Colorado team that had had a good season the year before, but it, you know, th- this was a victory for the analytics nerds. That Colorado team had been extremely lucky and their underlying numbers were awful. He went there. They were not a cup contender the two years he was there. Like Jerome McGillin just wasted away his last couple of years. Cause quite frankly, he, he got his money. Sure. He got a little more money at the end of his career but picked a team that wasn't ready to contend, that wasn't as good as he thought it was. You think of Claude Giroud this past season, forcing his way to the Florida Panthers, who had a great record, looked like maybe a cup contender. As it turns out, they really weren't. They got swept by Tampa in the second round. They weren't particularly close to winning the cup. Like that, you know, so even if even if you think like, this team looks like a cup contender. Sometimes you miss. Like sometimes you get that wrong. And you end up stuck in a situation that uh you know, grass isn't always greener, as uh, as the cliche goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, great points by you guys. I mean, the first one starting with Bridget, like it's so true what you said about um <laughs> What what are you gonna go in in free agency? Nonetheless, you're gonna you're gonna go to a cup contending team that has the cap space for you. If 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 they had the cap space, you know they wouldn't be a cup contending team. Chances are, um, it's one thing if it was a hockey trade, but if you're talking about testing free agency, there's no. I mean, I guess like it's possible there could be a team that because they add you in a free agency now they're a contender, but like I just don't see it. Number one, so that's that. Number two. With Pashnak I, I get like again with a lot of these European players. They, t- despite the sunshine out in California, like I really do p- think they prefer to play on the East Coast because it's just six hours closer to home, and they have family and friends there. And it's just so it's from a logistic standpoint. If you if you narrow it down to the East Coast and you know I guess you know northeastern Canada as well, it's just uh, now you're it's it's an even smaller pool to choose from that would have to have room for you. Number three, okay. Ninety percent of NHL teams are a seesaw. Right? They're a couple of years they're good, next couple of years they're bad. Maybe they're okay, then they're good, then they're bad. Ten you know, five the other five percent have sucked for like ten years, and then the other five percent have been good for like ten years. But most NHL teams they fluctuate constantly. So, you know if you're a passion okay you look at the boston bruins yeah you know what maybe maybe they can go out and and and, and buy a buy a center when when bergeron and creche go now granted it's going to be tough even next year if they were to walk because they're going to hit their bonuses so that's going to be against the cap but they'll probably let three or four ufas walk but the bruins may they may not be a contender for a couple of years when bergeron and creche go Okay, so what are you gonna do? Go to a team that is a contender for your the first few years of your contract, but then the last five years of your contract, they might not be. So, you know, it's there's no there's no perfect scenario. There's there's risk for any NHL team you play for. That there's no guarantees, and there's fluctuation all the time. So, like I said, I just don't see. Uh, I don't know. It's a very. It's a very. It's a very. Uh, Naive position to take Like I want to win the Stanley Cup really bad Well yeah, no, that's every every player wants to A. B. You had a chance A couple of years ago, you were in Game 7 at home You and your teammates blew it um, But So you think going to the Ottawa Senators On the rise is going to be your solution? No There will be some teams in the next couple of years That are in better positions to win in the Bruins But that doesn't mean that in 5 years In the contract that he's going to sign Those teams will be in better positions then and he'll only be thirty in four years, right? So it's not like he's gonna be, you know, thirty-five or forty. He's he has David Pashnak still has a, a solid, solid decade left of really good hockey in the NHL. Um, so if he's short-minded enough to to say the Bruins might not be great in two years, I, I understand. You never want to go through a, a losing season, but it's gonna happen at some point. The Bruins actually are one of the only teams in the NHL over the last fifteen years that really haven't had any. Even the two years they missed the playoffs. They missed by like a total of like three points or four points. <laughs> so their track record does back up what they say about being competitive all the time. Um, you you got to give them that.
2: Yeah. He needs like a handshake deal. Like we absolutely are not going to rebuild. Like this is going to, we're not going to be like blowing the team up for, for draft picks as soon as Bergeron leaves and Gracie leaves. That's basically, it just comes down to trust in management. Can you trust Don Sweeney? Can you trust ownership that they mean what they say when they say, we're not just going to blow the team up, start from scratch, start a rebuild, um, you know, and we're going to just try to keep pace and keep this a playoff team every year that has a chance to win. And and whether or not he believes that is pretty much what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. And what they can also promise him is that for the, basically the entire length of the next contract you sign, you also have a top pairing of Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy locked up, which, hey, there's an argument against the rebuilds. You have one of the best defensive pairings in the NHL for at least the first two years of the deal, you still have Brad Marsh and Taylor Hall. So one of them is still on your left wing at all times. And you have, you know, a really good, talented young goalie in Jeremy Swayman. So you can still say like, look, this is still the building block. uh, And you're a huge part of that. Like you are now, you and McAvoy are the top two salaries. Like that's, you two are the two building blocks. And then we're gonna, yes, we're gonna try to get you the center that um, that we're obviously gonna need when Bergeron and Krejci are gone. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I think it, it's it's a fair stance for Posnark to take. Absolutely, like those are questions that every Bruins fan also has. So yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, he shouldn't be worried about it. like no, it's it that's completely reasonable on his part. Um, but as we've laid out, like it any team that you're committing to for seven or eight years there's gonna be question marks like there is there is nowhere that you're gonna go where you're like okay yep one i'm 100 sure we're contending for the for the cup for the next eight years like that's as yeah. we said like Danny, each doesn't work that it's not meant to to work like that
1: yeah no it's it's totally it's i'd be asking the same thing this is not like i i he's right to ask the question like i said earlier don sweeney should have to answer to the lack of center prospects um, in succession plan in Boston. Absolutely. <laughs> they've only had, I mean, like I said, they've only had, what, 18 years with Bergeron? No, actually, no, this is gonna be his 20th, 19th season. And Krejci took a year off and it's still his 14th or 15th season in Boston. Now, obviously, the first 60% of those 10 years, those are your guys. So you don't have to think about succession. But the last seven, eight years, you know, there's just been, it's just been putrid, and we don't have to go down this road again, but for Pashnak to say, hey, I want to re-sign, but what are we looking at at center? It's a totally fair question because the prospect pool isn't great at center, and you can have Bruins diehards or prospect diehards tell me, well, Georgie Merkeloff is gonna, no, he's gonna be a top six center. All right, I hope he is, but we can't bank on that. Um, you know, and then also in the in the open market, the Bruins aren't in the greatest cap situation going forward either. Like I said, like Bergeron and Creature are gonna hit their incentives. So if they're not on the team next year, well they're financially they still will be. Um so it, it's a totally fair question to see, Don, how are you gonna pull a rabbit out of your hat for the for, you know when these guys go? Everybody wants to know that. But for him to sit there and just like say, if this were to happen well, I'm not going to be sign in Boston because you guys don't give me a chance to win in the next two years. It's like, well, you're going to sign an eight-year deal somewhere. So like you're still going to have a long time with the other team, and the chances are they will have their down years too. So do you want to you have your down years at 30 when you really are getting towards the end of your prime, or would you rather be in your prime still and, and make it so that there's not a down year in Boston? Because like you said, Scott, like, oh, there's another one thing um, point uh McAvoy is still here like it was good enough for McAvoy he's one of the best defensemen in the league and he's younger than Paschenak so if he's hitching his wagon to the spoke B for the next I don't know what McAvoy signed for how many years but you know it's, eight, eight yeah. years starting this year okay it should be good enough for Paschenak so and I I think he will reassign in Boston I don't know when it will be but I, I do want to get your take, Scott, on what you said before the podcast when you said something along the lines of a scenario where not getting anything back for Pashenak could be better than something else. Because I think that's yeah, that, so- that's doomsday scenario. If you let if if David Pashenak doesn't sign for the, with the Bruins this this off season and they go into this season without him signed, and then they don't trade him at the trade deadline because the Bruins will likely be in contention for the playoffs and and whatnot. And then in the offseason, he decides to walk for nothing and play for somebody else. And you let arguably, already, the best pure goal scorer, one of the best pure goal scorers in the franchise's history. And if he were to play the next 10 years in Boston, there's a pretty good chance he could finish top of the list for goals scored by a Bruin. So that's the kind of goal scoring talent we're talking about. If he were to walk for nothing after this year boy scott you better really convince me how there how that wouldn't be the worst case scenario out there
0: uh it it certainly is not ideal and there will be plenty of questions to ask if that happens about you know what the Bruins could have done differently um but the one like what i'm pushing back on is because i've heard it from a bunch of people now is like this idea that you can't lose pass on for nothing that like you absolutely cannot let it happen. Like if he's if he's dragging his feet and, you know, uh, maybe indicates like, you know, he's not going to sign something before free agency that you have to trade him at some point and there's no other choice. Like that I don't buy because you are in win now mode.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely and, not true. It's yeah. just, there is no situation, sorry to cut you off. There is no situation this season where the Bruins, trade past or midseason
0: well There's, there is the, the the scenario where you trade past mid midseason is if they, suck. they things go south and you don't look like a contender
2: I just In feel which, like that's not a, that that is very unlikely
0: um I think it, I think it's unlikely I I don't think it's impossible at all because like you do have an older team and, and like it's possible that Krejci comes back and he's not the same player um I I don't see that happening. But what I would say is if the season isn't going well and they don't look like a contender and they still hang on to Passenach and then lose him for nothing, then they will de- Sweeney will deserve to be criticized. Absolutely. But if they're playing well and they look like they have a chance to win the cup, then you are absolutely not trading Passenach. Like he just becomes essentially your own rental. Like you just – hold on to him and you try to win it all this year. And you hope that, I don't know, you know, you have an exciting spring and maybe changes his mind and you're able to figure something out before he hits free agency. But yeah, that, that scenario would risk losing him for nothing. Um, But that's a chance. If you have a chance to win this year, you have to take that chance. Like you just have to swallow that bill. It's, to me at this point, like the ball is in Passenach's court. I don't think there's going to be, I I don't think there's going to be any question about like, did the Bruins make him a fair offer? I think they either already have, like it's already on the table, or they will when they sit down in training camp. And, and I think we all know like what a fair offer, like it's going to be eight years, probably 9 million plus a year. Like that's, to me, that's a fair offer. And I think the Bruins will put that out there. Um, but if Boston doesn't take that or wants to wait things out, then to me, you go into, you don't trade them now. Like, I don't think you're gonna find a good enough trade now anyways. Um You go into the season, you play things out and you see where you're at at the trade deadline. And if you're in contention, then you hold on to them and then you just see where things are at the end of the year. And if you lose them for nothing, it sucks, but at least you tried to make one last real run at it with Bergeron
1: and Krejci. So let me let me let me play devil's advocate for a second. If the Bruins are informed, or there's 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 a feeling amongst Bruins management throughout the year, regardless of how the Bruins are doing in the standings. but let's say that they're a playoff team. If they are catching wind that. Pasternak is leaning towards not resigning in Boston and you keep him for a playoff run that will probably end in the second round for whatever i mean, hopefully later and he walks for nothing like he pretty much hinted he was going to do Um, I'm sorry that's 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 brutal and and, why
0: why are we why are we assuming they're losing in the second round
1: they better because with, I, Scott. They bet because they've had one cup win in the last fifty years. So if they, if they, unless they win the cup, then but
2: they made it to three finals.
1: Yeah, look, I, I'll say. But here's 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 the question I was going to ask though. If if you're trading him at the trade deadline, I mean, there, you, it's not the Bruins would probably you know they get worse, but I would imagine you're going to get a massive haul for him. You could probably get something in return and with futures, but also players that could help you in the, in for that postseason run. But I'm only saying if 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 they if if they don't hear that he's that he wants to leave Boston, and then I'm not saying to do it. Okay, like I, I'm with you, but if, I'm only saying if they're being told, yeah, David, it's not looking good. He's probably going to want to go somewhere else in the offseason. and you keep him, like. I'm sorry, you you better win a Stanley Cup. You better win a Stanley Cup. I'm that is that I mean, that would be bad. Because now because yes, now you have to start I don't over. Agree. I
0: I think you, you better have a chance to win the cup. You better look like a team that can really make a run at it. Things happen in the playoffs. Like you might be a team that looks good enough. Like two years ago, we thought going into the playoffs that the Bruins looked like a team that had a real chance to make a run at it. They ended up losing the second round to the Islanders. Like I am fully on board. Like if this scenario happens that you're talking about where, you know, indications are Postonar is going to go to free agency. If you're like a kind of a middling team or you're, you know, you have some good, if you're like last year, you have some good stretches, but for the most part, you kind of look like you're, you're just there, like you're not really a true contender, then fine. then then trade them, then say, this is what we have to do. but if if you look like you're a team that can can go for it and it's not, oh, well, we have no chance of catching Tampa, Carolina, whoever. You know, there's clearly teams better than us and, and we're fighting an uphill battle. That's one thing. But if you're looking at it saying like whatever the standings are because we know the Bruins will probably have ground to make up based on early season injuries – but if you look like you're a team on on the level of those other top teams, no way in hell am I trading past midseason. Because there is no trade where you, there's no move where you trade him and you stay the same or get better. Like, you're getting worse. And if you do that, then you're throwing away mm-hmm. the potential last run of Bergeron.
2: Um, yeah, I, I do... In my mind, there's like a five percent chance they trade him this season because that's just not the philosophy going into the year, and that's not fair to Bergeron. That's not fair to Krejci. That's not—it's not fair to anyone that's buying into the team um, to just be like, okay, well, if we're a wild card team, like maybe no, like you're not—you're not trading him. I, I just—I don't see it happening. So if you, you either sign him, in my mind, you either sign him during the season or hopefully before the season, or. He walks. Like there's there's no in my mind situation based on their philosophy of win now and what they've promised to you know their veteran players that he gets traded in the middle of what could be a, a run for them, which is supposed to be their last run.
1: So how fair would it be to the fan base, to the consumers, to the to those who spend the money to line the pockets of their franchise, of the league they play for? If Pashenak lets them know, or his agent, or they catch wind, that he's going to walk after this year, you let him You let him walk for nothing. Okay. Yup, your team in 2022, 2023 has a much better chance to accomplish the ultimate goal. I get that. That's great. But then, from 2023 on, not only do you have to replace Patrice Bergeron... And David Krejci eventually, which would probably be after that year, you have no, you have no more draft collateral than any other team in the league. Now you have to replace one of the best goal scorers in the game without any draft collateral in return or player solid players. You have nothing. You have a bare cupboard, and you have to replace not only your top two centers but your top line right winger. Like with nothing, you have nothing to do it with now and it's not just him you have to replace like i said center's still an issue long term center's still an issue and then he, and then he walks for nothing and you have nothing from him leaving to help at least re, re, restock the cupboard now you're talking you could be looking at a long time a long time of of non competitive boston bruins hockey because you cuz cuz you just had to go for it, even though you knew he wasn't going to resign with you. Again, I'm only talking if they catch wind that he doesn't want to resign. That's It's the only scenario I I'm ha- painting.
2: I highly doubt they would tip their hand because they don't want to have, like his say, his agents or anyone in his camp, anyone in the know just because they they're not going to want to interfere with the season. If they, you know, it, it seems like they wouldn't tip their hand either way. Um because obviously Pasternak's worst case scenario for his season is that he ends up not playing with the guys he signed up to play for.
1: So, and and by the way, Brad Marchand would also, you know, be calling it a career in the next couple, of, you know, handful of years, likely too. So, it uh, that's why I'm saying, like, I understand if you let if if you keep them, like, I get it. Their chances would be. Better. And by the way, I don't want David Pasternak to be traded. I want him to re-sign. Yesterday, I want him. I want to watch him in the Bruins jersey for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. I, he's one of my favorite players in the league. And one of the best personalities I've seen in a long time in the sport. I'm only, but I'm trying to think, you know, from a business perspective, if if, if, if he comes to you or, or you just you don't have a good feeling about it, you, you like, I get it. It's Bergeron's last kick. I understand. But what would the next decade look like if you don't get anything in return for that type of player? It, it just, it, it would be unforgivable from a, From a long-term perspective, and that if they win, if they keep him and they win a cup, and then he walks, I'll have. It happened
2: with. It happened this off season with Johnny Gaudreau.
1: Yeah, but i mean but I'll, yeah, it did. But I don't know. I, it just, uh, I don't know. He's he's too good of a player.
0: I I don't know if Calgary's a, a cup contender, but Calgary found a way to stay competitive, and part of that is that. That nine, nine and a half million you were gonna give Pasanak, you now have that to spend elsewhere. The same way that the Flames had it to turn around and and go get Nazem Kadri, who is not as good as Johnny Gaudreau, but as someone who helps them remain competitive. Um you know, yeah, it's it's it would suck to lose Posanak for nothing, obviously. Like it's it's not ideal, but you you would have more cap space next year, more cap space going forward because you have a lot of contracts coming off the book. And while it's not ideal to try to build a core through free agency, uh, it's also not, like you can't build an entire team that way, but it's not impossible to go get, you know, cornerstone players in free agency. We saw the Bruins do that 15 years ago when they signed Mark Savard and Zedano Chara in one offseason and it completely turned the franchise around. Um, you know, it's not saying like that's gonna happen next summer or whatever, but there's there are ways there there are ways to build a team. And if you have money, you can you can figure some stuff out. Like it's I don't think that losing passages for nothing necessarily Dooms them to, you know, a five plus a year rebuild. Like I, I think there are still ways to to get back quicker than that. I
1: I think look, hand up. I think I'm projecting a little bit, and I think I have misdirected anger towards the situation because what I'm really upset about is why he would end up leaving. That's what I'm really pissed yeah, off about,
0: and that's fair because we've obviously. been because
1: we've been talking about this for years with this team and all I keep hearing is well that's what happens when you're constantly drafting in the bottom of the first round or constantly giving away first round picks to go for it like yeah I get that but at the same time plenty of teams find franchise players outside the first round look no further than the Boston Bruins so it's just their their inability to identify you know Potential top end centers—it's just—it's driving me crazy. And if you lose one of the best goal scorers the city's ever seen because of it, and it's not just Sweeney—it's a combination of him and Shirelli But Sweeney has been here for six, seven years, so it's mainly him. Um, That's where I—that's why I'm really upset. It's more so why he would leave. It's because. So right now you're telling me right now David Pashnak can potentially leave the Boston Bruins and sign elsewhere in a free agency for the exact same reason that Bruins fans have been screaming to the heavens for for the last how many years. It's the biggest glaring weakness in this franchise. They cannot identify centers through the draft since what? 2007? I mean, or 6, or when when was Krejci drafted? It's just it's it's the fact it, David Krejci is the last true center, true, you know, impact center they've drafted and developed. Nobody else. And that's what's driving me crazy. And the excuse train about where the Bruins have always drafted and the cost of being c- competitive all the time. Yeah, I know. Tampa just won back-to-back cups on the backs of a lot of th- second, third, and fourth rounders. The Bruins went to a couple cups on the back of a lot of third and second and fourth rounders. So, not fourth rounders, but. So I just, I just that's where I'm pissed off about. And um, it's like to, to sit there and rely for almost two full decades on two individuals, including this offseason, coming back to save your fucking ass at the center ice position is so annoying to me. Like, I'm so glad they re-signed because it gives us a season. But to rely on that year in and year out just – drives me crazy. What would the Bruins have done if they retired this year? What would Sweeney have done if Krejci didn't come back after taking a full year off? What what if Bergeron said no thanks? What then? Well then you wouldn't even have the balls to tank or get lower because there's too much pressure in the city and from ownership to to stay competitive. Okay so it's just it's just annoying to me like where why why you would potentially lose Pasternak. That's where I'm pissed off about, and that's why I'm so adamant you can't lose him for nothing because the reason he's leaving is because of the lack of drafting and developing a certain position that we've all been talking about, and that's why it's like it's just driving me crazy. Hopefully it doesn't get to this because you can imagine the rants I'll be going on if it does. I really (laughs) hope he signs when he gets back to the States before preseason, and I really hope Don gives him a, a great blueprint. About what he's we're, gonna do. I do, we're actually
0: get, we're gonna send Pasanak's people this this audio and just be like, David, you can save this man. Like, <laughs> listen, listen to this pain. It, it's
1: just it's it's the Bru- Sweeney and the Bruins. Like they've just always gotten away with it, and like. I understand when you have Bergeron and you have Krejci, like you, you have the luxury of not having to worry about the center ice position. But once they cross that 30-year mark and they creep into their early 30s and their mid-30s and now into their late 30s, it's like you are still having the same two centers carry this team that were the same two centers when I was picking my nose in sixth grade. Like this is this is how long they've been they've been relying on the on these guys at center. So it's just the fact that it's it's going to come back to it could potentially come back to bite them in the ass. And you're you're not not only are you not going to be able to replace them, but now you're going to lose one of the best pure goal scorers you've ever had in the in the franchise because he sees what every smart educated fan writing about the team and every smart educated fan living in their mother's basement sees about the Bruins. It's just it's it's just you can't help but get upset about it so hopefully like i said it doesn't get to this but now, uh I don't obviously
2: know. obviously it's uh, for brian and others then you know it's gone too long like this this extension should have been done you know yesterday as brian said in order to you know alleviate the stress of people um that are now reading that report that scott read us earlier about you know. Some of the reasons why it's been taking so long and and maybe that he's not sure the bruins can win after this point but do you think that obviously still time before the beginning of the season the deal could get done but do you think pasenak in a way might want to wait till the season starts to see how he feels about montgomery um Cause that's like, if you think about it in terms of like, he wants to know what the next chapter is, well, we're kind of already seeing a little bit of the turning of the page in terms of coach. And, um, you know, if if he thinks that Montgomery is the kind of guy that um, won't give up on the team and, and is only there in order to help a team lead a team to a playoff every year. Um, like if he really buys into him, it just gets that final clarification that, okay, like, this is going to be a big part of my next, the next part of my contract, the next part of my career. Um, and, you know, I'm cool with Montgomery or I'm not cool with Montgomery, could play into it.
0: I don't think that would be, somewhere way down the list, it might be a factor, but I don't think it would be a big enough one to like affect the timeline in terms of when Pasternak wants to sign because coaches turn over maybe not so much here where the last two coaches actually did last, you know, pretty long amount of time, but in general, the NHL coaches turn over often. And if Montgomery didn't work out here or, you know, Passenach and McAvoy and Marsha and whoever, like went to management and said like, this isn't really working, then Montgomery would be gone. Like there's, there's just, there's very little security for coaches. There's very little guarantee. So I don't think that'd be much of a factor because if it, if it wasn't working, it, it wouldn't take much to get a change.
1: Yeah. I'll- I'm
2: more, I'm more mean in the situation that it is working. Like if he, if he sees that, like he likes the direction, um, is he waiting for, you know, to see what the direction might be under Montgomery? I, it, I'm just throwing it out there because um just trying to, Figure out this timeline and, and when we might be able to see the deal actually get done.
1: Well, it's like to I, I or not it, get done. I guess I, I forget which one of you guys said it, but um, it was probably like Scott said. But the nothing just waiting to the st- for the season to start. What's what's passionate going to find out more about Don Sweeney's ability? to address the center's position going forward then Don can tell him in the offseason. Like, he's not going to get the opportunity. So, uh, I don't... That's why it's like, if he's going to sign in Boston, I just don't see why he wouldn't sign before the season. I don't see... I don't know what's... Unless, you know, there's some back-and-forth negotiations with the agent about, you know, numbers. But as far as his decision to stay in Boston, because we don't think the Bruins are going to cheapen out. Like, they're, they're going to pay him. If Pasternak wants to stay in Boston, I don't see what would convince him to to stay in Boston during the season that wouldn't already convince him now, and that's why if the season does start without him being under contract extension, that's why I am kind of worried that he's he really is considering playing elsewhere. To you know see my rant earlier, so it's like. Um, and maybe it is just a matter of fine-tuning some details in the contract and they sign him in November maybe maybe that would happen so like it doesn't have to be right away but man I would feel so much better if he just signs before the season and I don't like I don't want to have even have this conversation once the season starts I want to talk about the, the product on the ice and the team's you know ceiling I don't want to talk about will he or won't he so you know yeah I don't know I guess we'll you see. and
2: Don Sweeney both would rather this just get yeah. Except yeah. Day. Except
1: Don has the luxury of talking to the kid's agent, so he has an I- hopefully he has an idea of what, what what he's thinking. We're just left here in the dark, just like hoping and praying that that he that he resigns.
2: Well, yeah, and and even even when Gresh and keith were talking to Montgomery, they were like grasping for straws, like, "Do you know anything? Please tell me you know something. We need to know." Like it's just yeah. it's just gonna be like that, and and I. Every time, you know, we get a guy on the show, you you might hear the question come up uh, for as long as it doesn't, um, you know, deal doesn't get done. You know, that question is just going to be asked to coaching staff, management players until it happens or it doesn't happen, basically.
0: Yeah, and maybe I should have left this or mentioned it earlier, but I'll say now, like, I I still think I'm not, super worried or like panicking. Yeah, like, so this report that we started this conversation with was obviously not especially encouraging. But I still think that, you know, when Pasternak is actually back in town, and they sit down in person, it'll be Sweeney, Pasternak, obviously, his agent, like, I still think there's a chance that those conversations go well enough. And even if there's not a deal right away, there's momentum made towards getting it done at some point before, right around opening night. Like, because, you know, sometimes these things kind of go down to like, McAvoy's I think was last year, I think was, it was like only a day or two before opening night. Like it, it, I I don't think we, we were making as big of a deal of it. There didn't seem to be quite as much hysteria around it, but like that did kind of drag through training camp. Like those discussions had, been going on, but didn't get finalized until, you know, a day or two before the season started. I guess I would be, I would really start to get worried. Like if it starts to drag to that point where it's like, okay, now opening night is really right around the corner and not only is the deal not done, but like, we're not even hearing that they're close to getting it done type thing. Like that's, that's when I would really start to worry. As of now, it's like, the those in-person meetings and discussions, those are still in front of them. Like they haven't happened yet. Pasanak hasn't been around Boston this summer. So like that is all still on the horizon. And those conversations can change like Pasanak can have all these questions right now. And those conversations could change his mind. And then you know all all this worrying is for nothing and everyone can go into the season with peace of mind. Um so I'm not I'm not panicking yet. I, I, if I had to bet, I still think it gets done. Um, but you know, obviously, based on what we've heard, it's 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 not a slam dunk. It's not okay. Just show up, put the paper in front of him, and you know he's gonna sign whatever's being offered.
2: But I think I think what Scott just said was mostly intended to just make Brian feel. <laughs> soothed. I, I, Brian. Don't freak out yet. No, there was. There was <laughs> we a, got time. No, I, I
1: do feel. I did feel relaxed when Scott was talking. It was. It was just something about. That was, was for you. Yeah. No. I feel. I feel. I feel great now. Um I
0: want Brian to at least be able to enjoy the last couple weekends of summer. Yeah. You know, At least get past Labor Day, and and then and then again be an emotional wreck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I. I. I think he's resigning as well. I. And it's just you know, it, it would just it it'll just suck if he doesn't. But I, I like I said I think. I think he's not going to he's not gonna learn anything more about the future of the Boston Bruins after this year once the season starts. He's going to know – Don's going to sit down with them. He's going to say yeah, – the thing is, I don't know how detailed Sweeney can get with his plan because what's he going to – is he going to tell Pashnak, like, yeah, by the way, these current teammates of yours, we're not going to resign next year. We're going to keep that space open. You know, here's a list of some UFA centers over the next couple of years. Like, like we're prepared. I mean, here's some – I don't know. I mean, it's – I think he'll be a Bruin. I just, I just uh, hate the notion of him going. Love watching him play, so it would suck, and it would set the franchise back like quite a bit. Like I know you said it would open up cap space if he didn't resign because there's not his, his ticket's not there, but um, it sets him back, no doubt about it. So, anyway, was there anything else you guys wanted to hit on? I don't
2: think nah, so. I don't think so. Those are those are the main you know topics of discussion this week, and for obvious reasons. So.
0: Yeah, we, we, okay. we ran a little long, but we can get more into Scottish surnames next week.
2: Yeah, yep. Oh, and, and by the way, a new Game of Thrones, guys. Remember <laughs> at one right, point yeah. in time we were like, oh, this is gonna become a Game of Thrones podcast. Um, and so there's a new spin-off season of that that I'm sure will it'll be the pre podcast conversation, yeah. but
1: yeah, I gotta start that. We gotta we gotta get back in person for those podcasts because that's when we go off the rails. People think we get oh off my the rails. God, in the yeah. end. They they Those go. we should re- we should release what we talked about before these podcasts no. a separate podcast. <laughs> no are you sure
2: no <laughs> definitely not
1: all right i have i have them archived don't worry about it no <laughs> all right well thank you for listening um and we will talk to you guys soon